und herzlich willkommen bei Multilingual Stories. Mein Name ist Dr. Bettina Gruber und ich bin die Linguistin. Ich unterstütze voller Begeisterung mehrsprachige Familien mit Herz und Verstand auf ihrem individuellen Weg, damit ihre Kinder alle Familiensprachen erfolgreich und mit Leichtigkeit lernen können. In meinem Podcast bekommst du sehr persönliche Geschichten von Mehrsprachigkeit aus der ganzen Welt zu hören. Lehn dich zurück und lass dich inspirieren. Ich freue mich riesig, dass gerade du heute wieder bei den Multilingual Stories dabei bist. Wenn dir meine Arbeit gefällt, dann unterstütz mich doch super gerne mit einem Kommentar und einer Bewertung in der Podcast-App deiner Wahl. Ich freue mich riesig, wenn ich dort von dir lese. Und jetzt geht's gleich los mit der heutigen Folge. Viel Spaß dabei! Hello and welcome to today's episode of Multilingual Stories. I just spent half an hour chatting with today's guest until I said we have to start the recording now. Hello and welcome to Andres Diaz Bedoya. Uh, welcome and it's such a such a pleasure having you um, in my podcast today. Thank please, you for inviting me. Uh, please introduce yourself to our guests, to our listeners. <laughs> Uh, so my name is Andres and I am from Mexico. I am I I I I am 35 years old. I'm married. I have a beautiful daughter uh, named Sofia, and um, I work in e-commerce and digital skills talent training. How come you're here today? Like, what's your language story? You speak excellent English, but you were born in Mexico. How come? And yeah, born and raised in Mexico City. I uh, started learning English probably when I was, I don't know, maybe six or even before that, maybe five. Uh, kindergarten already starts introducing you to English, but uh, then I went to a bilingual school. So half the day was in English, half the day was in Spanish. I don't think I still, you know, I don't know the names of the clouds in Spanish. because I learned that like <laughs> that class was in English. So, uh, so yeah. So, and then, then we had the choice. So when I was six, I started um just taking every opportunity I could to just go abroad and learn more about the rest of the world and so when I was six I went for the first time by myself like to a to a camp for two months to the U.S. what uh, what <laughs> yeah did you decide was, that like did you say I want to go there or were you yes, sent the there <laughs> my brother my brother was going and but he was nine or ten He was 10. My sister was eight. And so my sister was going, my brother was going. And I was like, I want to go too. And I'm the only accepted kids starting from seven, but I like worked my way in. And so I went there when I was six. Um, <laughs> and so I spent a couple of months in summer camp in the US uh, learning English and playing tennis and playing soccer. And, um, and then when I was next year, when I was seven, turning eight, I did the same, but in Dublin, uh, in Ireland. So I, I, I went there for a couple of months when I was eight and I did horseback riding and I did a lot of sports and also some language learning. And I also loved it. Some language, and so I, also some language learning. And then, uh, and then it was, I mean, it was really strict. You couldn't speak Spanish, right? There was a bunch of Mexicans. There were people from all over, but there were a bunch of Latin Americans. And if they caught you speaking Spanish three times, you would get sent back home. <gasps> 
<laughs> yeah. So we couldn't speak Spanish. So even though like we didn't speak the best English back then, um, yeah, we were just like, and they were like, if you don't know how to say it, don't say it. <gasps> wow. So, okay. Just to be clear, you, you know, <laughs> I do not endorse that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And it was, it was, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Um, but it was just a bunch of international kids in this summer camp and, and it is intensive language program. And then, um, and then I decided to do it all over again for a year when I was 12. And so uh, for my first year of middle school, I spent that in Dublin, in Ireland. You um, actually chose to go back to Dublin? <laughs> Yeah, I and, that, and I, that's that's a, that's a really good reaction because I always wondered why, like, why do they send a bunch of Mexican kids to Dublin to learn English, right? Yes, <laughs> like it's it is such a thick, like 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 Irish accent. And can you I do Irish? Most, I mean, I've lost most of my Irish accent only when I say Ireland or, or Dublin. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I thought it was a weird thing. But then I realized, no, it makes sense. Because out of the English-speaking countries, I think Ireland is the one that Mexico has the most common in with. Like, they're they're big Catholics, they're they're mm -hmm. religious, like big families, very religious, um, very party-oriented, um, very loud. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I think we actually, like, in the English-speaking countries, I think Ireland is the one that we could actually relate to the most. Like, we would That's get the super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I loved Ireland. I, I, I just loved the freedom that that Ireland gave me. I mean, I, I, I grew up in Mexico City, mm -hmm. like streets, cars, honks, and smells, and and just Ireland, just green everywhere. And and I love that. And so, yeah. So I decided to spend um, first year of middle school. I was twelve in Ireland, and it, it was tough. I mean, it was like it was like a military religious school. So we had like an hour of church every morning at seven a.m. <gasps> so in the morning, like. 6 a.m. would be like, section B, wake up. First one to shower, three minutes, now. So you'd have to jump out of your bed and start in your shower. And it'd be like, three minutes, two minutes, one minute, out of the shower, second one, in now. And so you'd have three minutes to make your drawer. Wait, to hold on. Minutes. You just said like a minute ago, I loved the freedom of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the scenario, not really the school. The school was intense. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was it's crazy. And then so we would have to go line up, and then the deans would go back to the dorms and like do the coin test in our beds. Like if the coin didn't bounce, then the bed was not tight oh. enough. So then they would just take it and like rip it apart, and they would check your drawers. And if there was one shirt that was not perfectly folded, they would just take the whole thing. Hold and, on, like, you're not that old. <laughs> no, we were twelve. What, what year was that? Oh. That was nineteen nine two thousand. <laughs> that is crazy i'm shocked it was very intense it was very very intense and but i, I mean we, we were so young that we that, that we didn't like we loved it it was it was it was a competition all the time i don't think i don't think it's very healthy like for mental health um but yeah i mean i'm a very competitive person and so it was a constant competition all the time and um yeah so i spent there um middle school and then went back to mexico And I continued my studies in Mexico. Um, then I decided to, well, when I was 18, I, I decided to go to France uh, for my sabbatical. So I decided to take a little bit of time between high school and university. I had no idea what I wanted to study. That's, that was one of like, it's to this day, I talk to this a lot with students and with young people. I have a, 
have a conference. I don't know if I can swear here, but I have a conference called Bullshit. And, and <laughs> yes, you can swear here. <laughs> and and the conference is is literally telling 18-year-olds bullshit. You have to choose what you want to be in life right now. I want to like, speak at that conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and I love it because I make them yell. I, and the schools hate me because I never tell them that it, this is what the dynamics are. But then I just make the kids stand up and yell, bullshit. Because it is bullshit to ask for them so much responsibility yes. at such a young age. And so I was not ready to decide what I wanted to do. And I still wasn't ready when I came back. And so um, I, I, I'm, I went to France to study French. I went to this program. So I asked, like, what's the best like French le- learning program in France? And they told me, so there's this program that the government uses. So every year, uh, France gives 60 scholarships to Mexicans, Korean, South Koreans, and Brazilians. To they have you have to learn French in three months and then go on to a grand école to study uh, your de- your degree. And so the French government pays for your three months of learning language, so you can go and study your degree there. Because France has no engineers, because they all go to other countries, and so they're bringing engineers from abroad. And so I did that program, and so I went into um, I went to a little little town called Vichy. Um, Yes, it's, it's famous for the creams. Yeah, uh, and the water. The and water the water. From, yeah, I have Chris. And also because it was the Nazi capital of France, so that they don't say a lot. Uh, but that's also um, what that city's famous for. So I moved there, and I did a three-month intensive seven-hour-per-day French course. And I had the choice; it, it could be a six-month program, and that was supposed to be what I was going to do—six months. But then in three months, I was like, I think I've learned already. <laughs> so um, I, I negotiated with my family, like the family, family like the family that hosted mm-hmm. me in France. I was like, hey, uh, so my parents already paid because they, my parents wouldn't let me backpack through Europe. They were like, no, like, like do it properly, like get hotels. And, and no. so I really wanted to backpack. <laughs> and so I negotiated with my family, with my host family. And I was like, hey, so my parents already paid you for three more months of accommodation. And um, and I actually, they gave me the money to pay for three more months of of language classes. But would it be okay for me to keep that money? And would you give me back the money that they paid you? And I'll take your kid to Mexico back with me for three months when I finish. And they were like, sure. So they gave me the money for the house. And I I took the money from the school. And I went traveling for three months. It's really funny what you said. Your parents wanted you to do it the proper way with hotels instead of backpacking. You know, in my world, you know, for an 18-year-old, how do you travel Europe properly? You backpack. True. It's true. You know, my like there was this thing, like my every time we went to Europe, I'm the third kid. So my brother had backpack. But no, my brother, no, my brother got like nice. There was there's this thing in Mexico where they like you book 30 nights, for example, if you're going to do a 30 day trip, you book 30 nights and you don't know what hotels you're going to stay in. So they only tell you they're going to be three star hotels. And just before the night before you tell us like, I'm going to this place now, and they assign you which, which hotel you're going to go to. And so that's what my brother did. And my sister also did something kind of like that. But I was like, nah, I want a backpack. And so um, and every time we, we were in Europe and my mother would see backpackers, she'd be like, oh, poor. Like we would hear Mexicans. And she, she'd be like, I'm sure they haven't eaten a proper meal in days. Let's invite them over for lunch. And so I have so many memories of inviting backpackers over for lunch when we were traveling in Europe <laughs> because my mom would think that they haven't had a proper meal. <laughs> and so she was like, no, when you travel, you're going to do it the right. And I was like, no, nah, I want to backpack. And so I did it. 
And I did learn French. I mean, I and did. you didn't tell your parents. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I mean, did. When, when I negotiated, once everything was negotiated, I told them, "Hey, I got the money. Uh, everything's set, and I'm going to travel." And they were like, "Okay, you're there already." <laughs> and um, and so yeah, so I, I I kind of thought that I learned French, and then I started. I went back to Mexico, started studied university. I uh, I studied international business just because I had no idea what I wanted to study really, and uh, I it just felt like it was international i love the world and traveling and so international and business i was like i don't want to starve i want, to, I want something that will like give me put food in my table so international business it is and um and then for exchange i went back to france and and i got there and my program was supposed to be in english but the the head of the program she was like you actually do kind of speak french so might as well just take your classes in french like go to the french program and so I moved to the French program and that really helped me. Like I was the only one of my friends in exchange that actually learned French. Like, because everyone was just partying and, but because my classes were in French, I had to learn. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I did that. Yeah. And then I, I went back to Mexico, started working for the government. I worked in for Mexico. Um, it was my dream. It was literally like, it was like when I heard, when I read the description of what for Mexico was, it was like the government office that promotes Mexico in the world, attracts investment, promotes foreign trade, and internationalizes Mexican companies. And I was like, here's where I want to work. I went there to work. And um, my boss, after a year, he was like, Andres, you're too excited. You want to do too many things. Leave the government. Really? Get out of the government. I thought, he, I thought I was getting promoted, right? Yeah. <laughs> One would think so. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, no, like this is going to depress you. Like we're very slow. This is very bureaucratic. Like, like go do something outside, work in the private sector. And then if you really want to do government later on in your life, then come back right now, do something for yourself outside of government. And uh, I applied for a scholarship. And two weeks later, they told me I got it. And I moved to China. And... <laughs> okay. Hold the horses. <laughs> Why China? I mean, like two I, weeks later, like, is there anything you ever do slow in your life? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, so I, when I was working in Mexico, I was in charge of attraction of investment for automotive industry. And I had a bunch of Chinese companies. And so I started learning some, like, I, I realized that I knew nothing about this country. And, you know, I, I like traveling and I, I like knowing other ways of living and other cultures. And I was like, I feel so ignorant to this culture. And, <laughs> and when I, when I found out that China had lifted 700 million people out of poverty in 20 years, I was like, why aren't we studying this? Like, why aren't we there trying to learn from what they did? And so I was like, I need to do this. And so I presented a project to, uh, to study the model of uh, poverty alleviation in China. And I went to do a master's in economics. And so I won the, I won a scholarship through did you uh, speak chinese this is the this is the best part i thought my master's degree was in english and so and so i moved to china like literally packed my bags had no idea where i was going i didn't even know the name of my university they lost my bags on the way so they lost my bag that had all my papers for university they didn't even know how to pronounce my university someone like at the airport told me like it was uh, I arrived at 1 a.m my flight was delayed without a luggage and they were like okay take this bus last stop you go to, to, to your university but it's, you know it's a huge campus 
So I was walking for an hour trying to find the international student dormitories. I didn't have my paper, so they wouldn't let me in. And I was just like, just let me sleep here on the, on, like, in the grass for three hours, and then I'll wake up and we'll sort this out. They gave me a room, went through registration, and I see everyone speaking Chinese around me. And, and I'm like, I mean, maybe they're, I mean, maybe I'm late. Maybe they're like second year students and I just arrived. And, um, and this Italian girl turns to me and she goes like, don't you speak Chinese? And I'm like, no, but my program's in English and I'm going to, I'm going to learn Chinese too. Uh, and she's like, no, no programs here in, in Chinese. There's no English programs. And so uh, we go to the front and I, and she asks the girl, Hey, there's this Mexican guy here saying that he's going to study economics in English. And the girl goes, Shana, which is what? And yeah, he thinks that he's working in English. And she's like, Mayo, no, there's no English taught programs here. His program is in Chinese. He's enrolled in the economics program in Chinese. And so, <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so that I, I said, what do I do? And I had already thrown a huge party to say like goodbye to all my family and friends. I was not going to go back to Mexico. Um, no, I just, I just, I was like, okay, I'm, I learned Chinese. I'll just, um, I'll drop out. And I'll just enroll in the language program. But I was like, if I can, I'd like to learn Chinese as fast as I can to do my economics program uh, within two years. And they were like, yeah, that's parents, crazy. parents all listen up. Please listen closely <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, and I... I asked, like, how many years does the language program take? And they were like, well, if you go all the way to I, it's two and a half years. And I was like, could I do it in one year? And they were like, you would have to do two levels instead of one every uh, every space. And so it's like, I'll try. And so um, I, I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G um, in one year. And they allowed me to start the economics program the second year um, in Chinese already. And so... Um, <laughs> and okay. so, uh, yeah, it was some people will be watching the YouTube video. They can see my face now. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, Chinese is like, yeah, okay, so, you know, you speak Spanish and English, fine, um, and you learn French. It's a Romance language, so you know, you could piggyback a little bit on your Spanish. That you know would make it easier. But Chinese—that's a whole different ballpark. Yes, uh, it, it is. And I, I think that's what's so refreshing to me. I mean, I remember that when I first got there, I, I used to say, like, I don't want to learn how to write. I think that's a very common thing that everyone says, like, I just need to learn how to speak. But when I got there and I started learning about the characters, I just fell in love. I mean, these are like 4,300 year old, like cave paintings that became a language. And so there's stories behind every single character and they show you how Chinese people think and act and, and what they expect of life. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I thought it was, it was so refreshing to just like erase. And I felt so fortunate because I was like, who can, after graduating from university, like at 23, take a year off their lives just to learn a language, to do nothing but learn a language. You know, I think that's a, that's a great opportunity to have had that not a lot of people, because you start working and then like, like I'm already getting paid. Like, I don't want to go back to being a student. And so, and, and I was a starving student for two years, but it was such an amazing opportunity to be able to just take the time and learn language. That's amazing. It's very privileged too, but yeah. an amazing opportunity. And the fact that you could grab it like that and see it and seize it at that age is amazing in itself. 
So I've had other people um, who had Chinese as like a second or third language in their lives in my podcast. And I always ask the same question. Please tell me how you handled the tones. How did you learn them? Like, do you hear them? Do you like, do you act? Did you hear them from the get go? Yes, I, I, am a, I have a good auditive uh, sensibility to, to languages. And so I, it was not necessarily that I remembered what tone it was, but I remembered how to say it. So when it came out of my mouth, it came out in the tone that it was supposed to be. So uh, like, like the change, for example, when, when, when you have two, uh, th- two third tones, it's like, uh, like you would have to say, for example, ni, uh, how. Ni uh, actually has a third tone, which is ni, and how also has a third tone, which is how. Uh, but when you have two, three tones together, then the first one becomes a two tone. So ni hao. Mm-hmm. And, and those kind of things, it, uh, it, it kind of just I, like from listening to it, I could kind of replicate it uh, and I would actually make the right sound. So that helped me a lot. And then I figure it out because I speak really fast. I was like, if I just say really fast the first part and I just really and I just really pay attention to the to the noun, you know, like the word that I'm trying to say, if that one has the right tone, then the rest is okay. (laughs) I like that strategy. So you went to China, you studied Chinese. This is where you met Anna. This is where I met Anna. So I met Anna at university. I mean, we, we like to say that we met at university. We met at the university bar. (laughs) <laughs> um. <laughs> so for, for the avid podcast listeners you know Anna already um Anna's um wife because uh, she's actually the one um taking care of this podcast <laughs> this is super exciting <laughs> so you met at the university wife. bar <laughs> we met at the university bar a friend of mine was hitting on her a friend of mine was trying to get her number um yeah and I was really impressed with her uh from the beginning and I knew a friend of hers and so I kind of went to like I I knew that my friend like she was not having any of it with my friend and so I went over there and I was like I'm sorry I'm gonna take him out of your way and she is like you stay (laughs) and so (laughs) okay and now you have a two-year-old daughter who is growing up quadrilingually (laughs) Amazing. So I have to ask about the languages now because we are in multilingual stories after yes. all. <laughs> yes. um, what's your French like these days? So I thought it was much better than it is. <laughs> um, I, actually, with Anna, the other day, um, a friend, a colleague was like, hey, uh, we have this conference for a bunch of French uh, techpreneurs. Uh, could you do it? And I was like, sure, of course. And and so I started doing it, and then I realized how rusty I am. Like, mm-hmm. and I went out of the room, and she was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, I, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." I mean, because in China, I had a business partner that was French, so I spoke French almost every day. So in China, it was pretty good. But the, the past three years, I've mm-hmm. spoken zero French. Um, but yesterday, I arrived to Belgium, and it, I felt because I had to, like, yeah, ten days in France and in, in Germany, and not understanding it just freaks me out and and so i went to belgium yesterday yesterday i went out to dinner and i could like talk to the waiters and communicate myself so i, I was like okay mm-hmm. i just need a week to like just get in get in the mood and then i i am good i mean i went i came to a point where french was where i was really fluent like i was level c1 
And so I came to a point where I was really, really fluent. And I think I, it's still, I think you, you cross a point with languages where you can't go back. It's still, it's still mm-hmm. always with you. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so that's how my French is. But uh, at home right now, um, English is our like, family language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still speak English with Anna. That's how we met. That's yeah. the language we speak in our yeah. lives. And so even though now she speaks Spanish, uh, pretty good Spanish now, um we still communicate in english and but my friends do tell me and tell us that we say weird things in weird languages like of we course do, you do <laughs> like we, we, we do a couple of things in chinese because you know chinese have these things like idioms they're like three or four characters that say so much um like i'm not going to make it on time is in chinese laipuji it's just so simple Laipuji. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so it's so much easier to just say like hey babe laipuji or uh mm-hmm. like let's go just so we a couple of things in chinese and then she understands french too she studied french in school and uh but yeah but the, the languages are english at home um i speak english with my daughter too i was gonna yeah. ask do you speak spanish with her or english mm-hmm. i speak english is the main language Mm. But if we're in a situation where we're in front of someone that doesn't speak English, I'll switch to Spanish. Okay. Um, and and she hears me working in Spanish. So she mm-hmm. knows that I speak Spanish too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, she speaks Spanish to my family and in life because we live in Mexico, right? So she hears everyone speaking Spanish. Um, but I speak English to her. And, and, and it was, just, I mean, I speak with Anna in English. So it was not that much of a stretch. I feel just as comfortable in English as I mm. in Spanish. And so um, I sometimes even more. Um, and so I felt like there was, she's going to go to German school and she, they're not going to have English lessons until like further on. And so I was like, I don't think there's anyone else that could teach her better English than me, than her dad. Mm. So might as well just speak English with her. She'll learn Spanish because she, we live in Mexico, speaks German to Anna And she used to go to Russian kindergarten and speaks Russian to her grandparents. I heard. Anna just told me yesterday that she actually answered them in Russian. So she's really good. Like she not only answers, she communicates and tells stories. Yeah, Mm. no, we're really impressed. That's amazing. So, but, you know, where is your German and where's your Russian? I know. (laughs) This this trip, this trip was supposed to be the, like, I was like, we're going to be there for nine weeks. I'm going to like take German classes every day. Because the thing is, I feel like I'm not one of those people that can learn a language by just being in the place. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like learning from listening. I'm a nerd. I need to sit down and understand it. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I need to understand where it comes from in order to be able to speak it. And that's why I got so into characters because characters told me a story. Mm-hmm. Right. And And then French also, it, I didn't only study the language. I studied, because, you know, French are very proud of what they've done with their language, how yeah. French has gone through a whole process of making it beautiful, of making it like sounding, appealing yeah. to the ear. And so all those things behind the language are what really get me into learning a language. Mm-hmm. And so I need to sit down and study it. And, and so that that's why I, I feel so fortunate that I got the opportunity with English, French, and Chinese mm. to take the moment to sit down and study and immerse myself a hundred percent in the language. And so I know that if um I, if I want to learn German properly, 
I need to like literally disconnect for three months and do nothing but learn German. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's something I do want to do. I haven't found the time because I haven't, it's been, it's been really hectic and busy the past years, but, uh, but I really want to do it. I, I still want to do it. And then this trip, we were going to do it for two months, but then when I was coming um, for work, they were like, well, if you're going to be in Europe, it'd be interesting if you could visit all the embassies, uh, the main embassies in Europe, talk to the ambassadors about your project so that uh, you can help with the promotion of the of Mexican exports. And so right now I'm in Belgium, I'm meeting the ambassador later today, and I'm going to Geneva to meet the ambassador and going to France, to Madrid, uh, to Germany. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so it became a work- Exciting, but you know, this was also supposed to be family time, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, which I I think I think also it's 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 nice because because I don't speak German and Russian, so it's very mm. difficult for me to communicate with Anna's parents. Yeah, um, and so I I feel sometimes Anna has to like be between like trying to translate or like not anymore really like she, so I feel like it's 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 also okay for me to like step like it's just three yeah. days I go I come here come back um, and just have her enjoy her family cool. and you know her family is just for me it's it's so difficult to learn something out of them because it's. It's Russian and German flying around the table. So it's very difficult to say, like, wait, that was German? Wait, that was Russian. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, like, every, like everyone under the age of 33 speaks German and everyone over the age of 33 speaks Russian, but they speak like... With each other. With each other. Yeah. And so, um, so it's very difficult for someone that doesn't speak neither of those languages that is trying to learn a little bit to try to get which one it yeah. is and try to separate them. <laughs> As a kind of last question, I would like to take a step back. Like, I'm, I think, you know, it's it basically, you said it throughout the entire conversation, basically in many different words, but I'd like to just bring it to a point. If you'd have, if you have to describe what you gain from learning all these languages, what would you say? Perspective. I, I like different perspectives. I, I I feel like I have different personalities when I speak different languages. Of course, my tone of voice changes. Uh, like I'm, I'm more, more, more nasal when I speak English, for example. And, and I think that changes me. And, mm-hmm. and, but, but it also changes, I think. Uh, and I see it, for example, also with, with my daughter, with Sophia. I see how her, like she switches, like from person, from the way that she sees things. And she has the ability to see things from different angles before making a decision. And I've seen that, like, I've always admired Anna so much because she is so smart in the way that she can try to bring something for, like, she has so many, like, boxes, you know, and, and she can always bring different things from different boxes to make one statement or one decision or one sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she mixes all of her different cultures and languages into one. And so, um, I, I I have this this colleague in China. She used to tell me that um, languages were like installing softwares in your head. It's uh, it, it gives you uh, it gives you a whole new way of interpreting things, and and I think that's what's given me. I, I mean, I I think I I first realized it with French because not speaking French in France always leaves you as a foreigner. And you'll never be like, if you don't speak French in France, like you're never going to have French people open up to you. 
And I feel like sometimes French are, they don't like to, like if they don't speak English perfectly, they prefer not to speak it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so sometimes you might think that they're rude uh, where they don't want to talk to you or they, or they're cutting in their conversation. And it's just because they don't feel comfortable um, in the language. And so when I learned French and I saw French people's eyes just open up mm -hmm. and, and just share so much more. And I got to understand so much more of the culture. And, and I was like, this is it. I mean, it's yeah. a key. It's it, 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 like, it's, it, there's no app, no artificial intelligence that will ever, ever be able to do what speaking a language to a person of that origin does. Yeah. It connects you. It shows respect for their culture and for their history and for their country. And, and it opens up so many opportunities right now with Chinese. And I see it all the time. Like when uh, I get, I've gotten so many opportunities because mm -hmm. I speak Chinese. Mm -hmm. Like when I speak Chinese back to, to, to my colleagues, they, yeah, they feel respected. They feel like I have a genuine interest for them, mm -hmm. for their culture and their history. So for me, it's just, it's given me so much perspective and, and it's opened up so many opportunities to really try to be more empathic and try to understand from other people's point of view, how they see life. And I think that's a great skill to have, like to be able to be a bunch of people in yourself to yeah. try to see mm -hmm. things from different perspectives. Um, I think that's a, it's a great thing that's like that languages has given me. I completely agree. This is the reason, everything that you just described is the reason why I take a sometimes or for some people controversial stance saying, I think it's the duty of parents of multi of multicultural children to pass on their languages. It's not an option. It's not a, yeah, maybe if we'll succeed, it's a duty because you, you need to be able to connect to the culture where you come from. And language is one of the main means to do so. That is, that is something that I actually wanted to ask you because this whole thing about me speaking English to my daughter, like my friends hate it. My friends tell me like, you are ridiculous. Like speak Spanish to your daughter. Like you're Mexican, she's Mexican. Like don't do this to her. And, um, and I, I, get, I mean, I don't think that this is going to be forever. Like me speaking English to her. Uh, because yeah, because I do, I do not only want her to speak Spanish. I want her to speak Mexican. I want, you know, I want her to speak. Of course. I want her to have the slang. I want her to have. I want to have inside jokes in Spanish with her. Of course. Um, and so, uh, so it's it's always been something like when we made the decision. I like Anna and I when we made the decision of me speaking English. I was like, yes, a hundred percent. But it's always been in the back of my head, like, like when is it a good time or like for me to go back to my Spanish and like be able to have a relationship in Mexican Spanish with her? That's a really interesting question. So here's this the thing. To be perfectly honest, had you come to me two years ago before Sophia was born or when she was just born, I would not have recommended making English the sole language of conversation. Um, because you were brought up with Spanish, so you were used, um, like all the child-directed speech, all the children's nursery rhymes, the poems that you grew up with. You grew up with Mexican poems and Mexican uh, nursery rhymes and the, the kind, the way that people talk to children in Mexico. That's what you experienced. 
And that is a kind of connection that you not only formed with your parents through the language, but also with the language. So you would have been able to pass that on, even if you don't have a conscious memory of that, it is something you would have passed on to Sophia, right? That doesn't mean that you couldn't, that English couldn't be your family language, you know, that's still possible, but you could do both actually, you know, if you Uh, really wanted to pass on English, you know, you could say like when we're all together, you know, we just speak English with each other, right? I speak English with my wife and I speak English with my daughter, but whenever you're alone with her and I don't know, when you put her to sleep, when you read her book, when you cuddle, when you play, when you goof around, you know, then Spanish was your first language. Okay. And and it's okay. Cause that's the thing, you know, how everyone says like, and there was, I think it was a, an older theory. Like if you're going to speak a language, just speak one language to her. Like one parent can only speak one. That's language. a misconception that it does not represent the reality of a lot of multilingual people, you know, yeah, because course. for I mean, that I mean, to be possible, yeah. you need to have one parent that speaks one language and another parent that speaks another language full stop. Right. I know the reality of life is very different. So here's the reason why people think that this is the only method. Um, The first published study, I think it was 1912, was published by um, a linguist who happened to um, have, I think, even two children who were growing up bilingually because he spoke one language and his wife spoke another language. So that was the method that he observed. It was an observational study of his own children longitudinal. And we know that this method works. But just because we know that this method works doesn't mean that there can't be other methods that work too. Right? Uh, Then you just need to find the way that works for your family. I've I've always, uh, songs, for example, uh, nursery songs, Spanish, and we do uh, read books in Spanish since she was born. So, uh, so that like nighttime that we've mostly kept in Spanish, uh, That's there's great. a couple of books in English that we do, but that, yeah. And yeah. she, like, and I, when I hear her, like she sings the songs that I sang when I was little in That's Spanish, great. like Mexican yeah. songs. So yeah, that, that I, I, I've been able to keep, which is good. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I would feel terrible about myself. Like if she didn't have, like if she didn't sing like Pimpones, Un Muñeco, <laughs> like those, I, I love when she sings yeah. those kind of songs. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, and I can see it, like she's so little, but I can see it already how, she understands the difference. Like she understands perfectly that it's uh, when to switch and who to speak what with, and um, and she feels comfortable with specific things. There's phrases that she prefers saying in specific language, and mm-hmm. so it's it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's like doing a little mini experiment at home. It is. It is. <laughs> if you were a linguist, you document it. But to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I didn't. I you know with my with my firstborn, I thought I should document it but I didn't. My second born, she was, you know, off the charts with her languages. Like she was speaking super early to the extent that I sort of got a little sad because we didn't get all those uh, mistakes that children make that I find so cute because she was just so far ahead, but in all her languages. So I started documenting it. Well, she speaks um, now they speak uh, Greek, German, and English. But they, it used to be just German and Greek. But they got much more German input than Greek input. But she was still, she was like way ahead of everything. So I started recording it just because it was so interesting what she produced at a really early age. 
But it's so much work doing that. Like that's that's a full blown research study, right? So <laughs> I didn't of course, of course, I didn't take the time to do that at the end. It's yes. complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. But that's so cool. And Greek and and Greek and, and, and German. I think those are also like very like like yeah. opposed languages. Like they yeah. don't have a lot of similarities, right? No. Yeah. So that well, the cool thing is, and that's what the children really love. So we have a lot of um, Greek words in German like math, it's the same in English, right? Like math and um, even um, language, like everything about grammar, you know, a lot of those words come from Greek, Greek. Um, biology, science, you have a lot of Greek-based words. And our kids love that because at school, they would always point out to the teachers, like, I know where that comes from. (laughs) And you know how to pronounce that in Greek? So they teach the teachers like my my the teacher of my second born she told me they were talking about hexagons and pentagons and like through the entire room like my daughter would say oh, that's great work <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah that's that's actually something that I, I was just thinking about yesterday with my friend um in france for example all the asians complained that latinos should not be in the same classroom as they were they're like it's not fair because for the mexicans the spanish the italians when the teacher asks how do you say airplane in french we just go like avion and it works it's like yeah that's right and it's because it's the same word in all roman languages so the the asians the japanese the chinese the koreans were like we cannot be in the same class. Like they should be in a different class. And then, so when I was in France, I was like, oh, suck it up. <laughs> but then when I went to China <laughs> and, and then I was like, we should not be in the same class as the Japanese. It's, <laughs> it's unfair because Japanese have the kanji and one out of each four characters in Japanese is a Chinese yeah. character. And so they know that character because it's in their language. And so even if they mispronounce it and they pronounce it the way that Japanese would, the Chinese teachers know what they mean because they understand the Japanese kanjis too. And so the Japanese will say something and the rest of us will be like, no, that's not right. And why did you continue? And it's like, oh, because I know what they mean. Like, okay, no, the Japanese should go to a different class. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting to see children because children, they always make, they do make transfer mistakes, like the transfer one concept um, of one language to a different language, might that that could be syntax, it could be morphology, um, or it could even be um, a word that they just, you know, transfer. And it's really funny to see the differences between children, what they do when the languages are really similar, as opposed to you know, when the languages are really different and what kind of mistakes they make. We learn a lot about how language works and how we uh, process language by looking at the mistakes they make. It's true. It's, there's, there's a lot like that because we are so used to thinking that the conversions from Spanish to, to French will always be the same. So, but there's sometimes where you try to do that work. and it doesn't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And same with, with English and uh, German, actually. You know, there's a lot of false friends, um, a lot of traps that people fall into. Exactly, exactly. You know, like all of the others work like that, but that one specifically doesn't. <laughs> Amazing. So this was an amazing, it was the longest podcast conversation that I've ever had. 
<laughs> but it was so fun and so many amazing stories. I bet we could talk another five hours at least. <laughs> sure. I'm um, sure. It was really nice. It was super nice. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your stories um, and your experience. I loved it. And I'm sure that a lot of people can benefit a lot from it and be entertained by your um, stories. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Wie schön, dass du heute wieder bei den Multilingual Stories dabei warst. Wenn dir meine Arbeit gefällt, dann denk daran, mir doch einen Kommentar oder eine Bewertung in der Podcast-App deiner Wahl zu hinterlassen. Darüber würde ich mich riesig freuen. Und wenn du immer auf dem Laufenden bleiben möchtest, was es bei mir Neues gibt, dann trag dich doch in meinen Newsletter ein. Wir stellen dir den Link dazu natürlich in die Show Notes. Gib mir einfach deine E-Mail-Adresse. Dann unbedingt kontrolliere noch einmal deine E-Mails, auch möglicherweise deinen Spam-Ordner, denn du musst mir noch einmal bestätigen, dass ich dir auch tatsächlich Informationen schicken darf. Und schon bist du bei mir auf der Newsletterliste. Ich freue mich auf dich und bis zum nächsten Mal bei Multilingual Stories.